This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Let's have all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG 13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders. Was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Check this out. Feel the funk, baby. Fortress family in the house. Charlemagne in the house. Big Tim in the house. I'm in the ball in the house. My mind develops clever, yo But on the bill, this is how I feel It's season like dull pencils They need to sharpen up on the skills My lyrics mentally scar you Elsewith is on the mission Dissing rappers like a and But still, should I have to reveal that? Inside my waist is where I pack my seal at Hope you can feel the impact From caps I peel back This is official, L is invincible I keep the pistol full when I'm dilapidating Physicals of criminals who remain typical I got you stepping, you be removed Like hip-hop from 98.7 So often I make the pistol go my image hang overheads, just like a mistletoe Limits increase the fiscal flow, so get with this shit here You know the way I do this, I can't be penetrated You can't run through this, so this is the way I break it down Check the style, when I get busy, bodies up and seize my smile So throw your hands in the air from side to side, get loud If you know what's going down, feel the vibe Coming straight from the New York inner city, the style circulates I'm taking our rappers to purpose makers When it comes to this, else we'll be running this So grab the gun eclipse, my style with Wonders wow. with the flows are toxic when I drop it. Wow. Cause only I be the original. Don't check me in the physical. Statistical styles cannot close the mind. I release my flows and rhymes. Yeah. L is the pinnacle. Niggas be fronting criminal. But while they fronting, talking about weapons they carry. Lyrical styles vary. MCs, bodies are cali. I drop scientific analogies. Wow. Lyrical similes. My flow is lethal. Wow. I kill them seeds. Careers like bad marketing. Wow. Flavors are targeting. Ghettos and urban streets. I analyze and learn the beat. Cause when I'm coming through, you can Smell the fumes that hate also when the rhyming rappers' bodies must accumulate. Yo, this is the way I break it down. Check the style. When I get busy, bodies every piece must Wow, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to the show, The House List. My name is Peter Agostin. Thank you so much for checking us out. This is my podcast, and we got a special one for you, which I recorded yesterday, at least in relation to when I'm recording this intro way up in the northeast bronx in new york city with swigga formerly known as l swift of the group natural elements 
if you go back, fans of the podcast or those of you familiar with my show know that I did a, a really great conversation with one of his rhyming partners, Mr. Voodoo, all the way back on episode 33. So we're approaching episode 100. So if you go to the SoundCloud page, that's the Houseless Podcast on SoundCloud um, or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, scroll all the way down there. You'll find episode 33, Mr. Voodoo. And it makes for a great companion to this particular conversation I did with Swigga, a.k.a. L. Swift. Um, I met him up at a production music partner of his, Eddie Brock. Some uh, hip-hop heads will remember Eddie Brock. Uh, He's released a bunch of material. Those guys also have a group, too, in which we talk about in the conversation. It's a really revealing one, too. It's a very personal one. I had actually gone up to the Bronx and recorded two shows that day. Because I've been trying to catch up with y'all um, and give you some some new stuff, but I've been wanting to make them extra special, um, especially with people that um, you may have not heard a whole conversation or her whole interview with. So this was my second um, talk of of the day, and it was a beautiful day in New York City, uh, fall colors, it was sunny. Yeah, made for uh, uh, a pretty special day in general. So we're going to get into this joint in a second. If this is your first time listening, though, I urge you to subscribe. Like I said, it's available in most every platform for podcasts. My name is Peter Agostin. I'm the host and producer of the show. This episode is edited by my man, CJ Stewart, like many, many, many episodes are. And I've been doing this now for about two years, too. There's lots of really great episodes that... You, I know if you're a fan of L Swift, aka Swigga, go back. There's going to be a lot of stuff, a lot of people that I know you're familiar with, and some really one of a kind conversations with people. So, but with no further ado, um, I'll save the small talk on this one because I want to share this one with you. Let's get into this joint, you know. And for those that might not be familiar with Swigga or L Swift, uh, you know, wh- whomever, whichever artist you may know more. You know, this is a guy that um, has a large catalog of music and is an incredible rhyme writer, very inventive lyricist, you know, um, very much like famous uh, from um, a subsect of New York City and the one time hip hop underground of the mid 90s. And um, also, I want to say shout out to Jay Smooth, uh, a radio and a DJ and speaker and educator who had a really famous show here in New York, Underground Railroad, L. Swift, and I mean, and I will say this, Stretch and Bobbito, Martin Moore, uh, all the all the non-commercial hip-hop radio shows in New York City of a certain time, L. Swift, Mr. Voodoo, and of course, Natural Elements were synonymous with those, with rhyming on the air. In fact, there's a really great one on YouTube with Jay-Z, L. Swift, and Mr. Voodoo from... Uh, Uh, WBAI's Underground Railroad, which is Jay Smooth's old show. So this is a guy that has a lot of material. Just There hasn't been a ton out there to buy. Um, Natural Elements were one time signed to Tommy Boy Records. That that ended up not materializing. And um, we get into that. We get into a lot of stuff. So um, I feel like now I've set it up. Remember, don't forget to subscribe. This is the Houseless Podcast. My name is Peter Agostin. Let's check out this conversation I did with my dude, Swigga, here, only on the podcast.
So, yeah, as far as um, a starting point for this kind of conversation, I mean, one, you know, I did the, the talk with, with Mr. Voodoo, yes. Agu, and, uh, I mean, like a lot of people, I've been a, you know, I was a giant fan of Natural Elements, so I think that's like, a, for people that are listening to, that, that's kind of like a, a musical anchor for them as far as your a part of your body of work, like a piece of the puzzle. But I know that there's like, I bet since there isn't a lot of like information about that group, you know, it's like a Mm -hmm. sort of like from an era when there wasn't, you know, if there was interviews or information, it was like from, it was in the print era of music journalism too. So, which is kind of lost. So I think I would love to try to get your perspective on, on not only that group, but, just how you kind of came into that because uh you're like everybody's from a sort of different part of the city as well in in that group yes right kind of yes yes um well i came in through charlemagne you know right. what i'm saying and he's um, from the bronx so yeah. yeah he's from the bronx but he's also from saint lucia like me we're both from saint lucia in the caribbean oh okay and i actually met charlemagne when i was like about 10 years old <laughs> so down so, there did you meet up here, in up the- here because my my aunt was his mother's supervisor in dialysis at um wow. at Einstein Hospital. Right. You know, so um in the Bronx. So I used to go over to their crib and I used to you know, he used to be like him, his sister and his his brothers were like our babysitters um while my mom's at work or, or while my aunt was away. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So I knew Charlemagne from then just making before I even set up, you know, a rap, you know what I'm saying? Right. I'm sure it's probably before he even started right. pursuing any kind of musical stuff too. Right? right. But then when I started, the first time I ever wrote a rap really, because we used to live right like my building and his house, I could look from my building window and see his house. And if he look up, he could see my, you know what I'm wow. saying? So, so I told his cousin, Miguel, I was like, yo, through the window, yo, I wrote a rap. <laughs> I wrote a rap. <laughs> How, said, what age was this, you think? Man, about... 13 or something like that. Okay, wow. Um, this was like right when my mother passed away, like when, when I was 13. Um, and I was like, yo, I got a, I wrote a rap. He's like, come down and say it for Chris. That's all it means. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, all right. So I, I, I went down there, I said it for him. And I was like, listen, this was like on a Friday, like Friday evening. He was like, listen, I go to the studio every Saturday and um, there's a few guys up there and we, you know, we make music. If you want to come up and, and, you know, hang out and, Try to see if you want to do some music, then come up. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So it just came from that invitation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but to go back even further, though, so you you were born in St. Lucia? I was born in St. Lucia, yeah. And um, my mother was a nurse. So when I, when I, when we lived in St. Lucia, we left there when I was about five years old, when her and my, when her and my father uh, separated. Mm-hmm. And um, then we moved to, like, different islands. Like, we moved to, like, Tortola, St. Thomas. My mother's from St. Kitts, so we lived in St. Mm. Kitts for a while. And then we lived on Tortola. And Tortola, um, not on Tortola, I'm sorry, uh, the island next to Tortola, Virgin Gorda. That's the that's the mm. island we lived in the last before we came up here. You know what I'm saying? But right. we we went through St. Thomas because St. Thomas is the only way to like get like U.S., anything U.S. oriented. Right, right, right. Um, legally. You can't like, you know, you can't just come up to the U.S. You got to go through. So we had family in St. Thomas, so... When my mother found out she had cancer, because she self-examined herself and found, and and then she went to Tortola and found out she had it, mm. then we we came up here, you know. And when you know, that's when I was about 
eight years old or something like that. Wow. So what are you what are your memories of, of the islands? Oh man. I used to go back every year, um, up until my mom passed when I was thirteen and then I went back when I was fifteen and then maybe like twenty or something like that. But um I well, love a lot of family there, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um I love the islands with a passion. Like in fact, if my mother didn't get cancer, didn't have cancer we wouldn't have came to America, period. We would have been living in... Would have, I would have right. basically been an island kid, you know what I'm right. saying, for my whole life, really. You know? So she came because it was a means to have better um, treatment. You know? Yes, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So so then what? How, how was that adjustment? I mean, at, so at, you came at age five? Is that no, well, we left, Saint, we left St. Lucia when I was age five, but we, um, we lived on different islands until I was about eight. That's Just you and her? Her. Me, her, and my sister. Right, gotcha. You know what I'm saying? And um, my sister's like a year and a half older than me. Mm-hmm. And um, so we all moved up here, but my mother, she had to start getting the treatment, but we didn't know that they gave her five years to live. You wow. know what I'm saying? Wow. We just was like, okay, mommy left us up in New York with our aunt. My aunt, um, she recently passed away like a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, rest in peace. Um, she brought us up here. She was like, well, bring the kids up here. My mother didn't want to separate from us, but right, she was like, bring... Bring the kids up here, and you go back to the islands, handle your business. Because she was a nurse, so she she was in charge of a clinic. You know what I'm saying? So, and she was a maternal, she you know midwife. So she she gave she had babies scheduled to be born that she was delivering. Right, right. So um, she went back down for like a few months, and then we started school up here. And it just happened that you know um, the block I moved on, which is Darima Avenue in the Bronx, Funk Flex Funk Flex lived next door. Oh, and wow. Slick Rick lived down the block. So wait, Same this, block. So, the, and that's in Edenwall. Right? No, nah, that's it. No, this is Northeast Bronx, Darima Avenue. Okay. This is like, you know, if anybody know that area, it's like um, close to two thirty eighth White Plains Road. You know, all that. Like, so what would like, you distinguish that as? Because now, as a guy that's lived in Brooklyn for the last twenty years, practically, my time coming to the Bronx is usually just for stuff like this, or it used to be for rock steady. Right. But it's like. So I know these little pockets, and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. so I was just in Lafayette or kind of Soundview Lafayette to do another interview, right. which is like a completely different Absolutely. version of the Bronx. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It's not no. Nah, the Northeast Bronx is a whole different. Um, it's a whole different swerve. Yeah. In fact, it's like it used to fool people back in the days because you come through and you think it's like Westchester. What is <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, it's houses. It's a little yeah, more. There's yeah, a little more breathing yeah. room. It seems like at least. I mean. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> but it's a. But see, at that time, see, I didn't understand. I wasn't rapping yet, of course. So I didn't know. All I know is this guy with big chains <laughs> was walking down the block, and he'd go to the store, or whatever, and all his chains. And wow! And I, I and not t- knowing who that was, not knowing who that was. Um, wow. my cousin, my my cousin, which is my aunt's daughter, she was listening to R and B and all that. But she was listening to ninety eight point seven and right. those because up up until then, all I was hearing musically was calypso. And top forty radio from up here, right? That's it. So there just was no whatever room. was coming from the radio or the f- and families and stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, so when I came up here, and my cousin had a lot of tapes, you know, shit she tapes from the radio, and and I'm hearing like Roxanne Shante and Biz, and, and she's like playing all these. I didn't know who these people were, but I when I adapted to what the music was when I you know when I was like a year year in up here, yeah. I was going to school and different people were playing like Special Ed or whoever. And um, I started understanding the music. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I was like, I think I could do that too. Because I always, I, you know, I, I like talking shit. So it's like, it sounded like they was just bragging. Like, you know what I'm saying? And my, from my point of view. Right. So 
I started rapping like later on though, like like maybe like around t- like maybe twelve or thirteen. You know, what I'm right? Saying? But yeah. those earliest, uh, well, I mean, by the by the beginning of Fortress Records and this, like this is our that's already much later into your well, teens, not, re- right? not not really. Um, the, the first record I put out on Fortress, I was fifteen. Um, uh, so that single, yeah, um, "Live the Life" was my first. Yes. Song that it was put on a compilation. Oh yeah, exactly. Right. Which is for, I think Fortress Records first release as well, if I'm not mistaken. Well, they put out a Vu record first. Oh, yeah. They put out Mr. Vu, um, Forty Five Kicking Alive, and Come Off Hard. Yes. And they, they, those two records was those are the records that 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 record right there, from what I'm being told, was like the first like real independent record in Fat Beats and like like the independent wave wasn't really going yet. You know what I'm saying? No, so it was very early. Very that. early, very early. So Vu had the first record. So when I he was like bringing me to the little radio set because he was like co-host of Underground Railroad with um yes with, Jay uh, Smooth with Jay Smooth yeah so um he was like yo I'm gonna come when I'm putting out my record I'm gonna come down and I, you know I want you to freestyle and you know whatever so I came down there like I was just turning fifteen wow and then we did our um they did the compilation and I did that song for it and I'm gonna tell you some funny shit about th- that song that lived the life please yeah. um. When I recorded that record, right, I, um, of course, I laid it down. We laid it down in what we used to call the big studio downtown. You know what I'm saying? We laid yeah. it down. And, um, Do you remember what, I, where that was or um, what that was? I think it was Unique Studios. Okay. Um, yeah. If I remember right. Um, I can't put my finger on it. Right. Um, but maybe about a week and a half after I did that song, right, I was, at that time, right, I was still, like, not... Um, in complete, um, what do you call it? Like, I wasn't grieving my mother. I was just like, all this time when this was going on, 15 and all that, when I was like doing these records, and I wasn't thinking about, I was like putting all that to the side. Like, right. no, I'm not thinking about my mother. Like, because if I did, it'll, it'll fuck me up. You know what I'm saying? So w- I'm doing these records, and um, maybe about a week and a half after I, um, I did that record, and they was like pressing it up and all that, and um, I called myself doing a robbery, doing a stick-up. You know what I'm saying? So, me and my homies. We, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, you know, it was one of those, like, not one of those, but it was like a survival thing. But I, I didn't really, see, when I came up here, I saw, like, crack moving. Right. But I never, you know, I was eight, so I didn't really, wasn't really into, yo, let's go buy some, you know. I know sure. cats that was, like, a little older than me that was doing that. Yeah. But um, I was more of the stick-up kid route. You know what I'm saying? So, when I did that, I, I tried to rob this one cat, right? And um, I didn't get anything from him, so I stayed in the same area. Oh, what, waiting for someone else or what? Probably, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably. And all of a sudden, he came back, because he had, like, he didn't have nothing, so I I pat him down or whatever. He had, like, a bus pass or something like that. And I let him go. I was like, just get the fuck out of here. But I had a burn on me, you know what I'm saying? But I, right. I when I saw, all, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm chilling on the block, right? And I see a, a cop car. Like a cat, like a, a paddy wagon, right? Coming up the block, and in the passenger seat is the kid that I so and so quote unquote robbed, and he said, "That's him, that's him, that's him." So a cop got out, and before the cop even got to get out, I I threw the burn in the bushes, so I they you know I was cool with that. But then they arrested me, of course, and they didn't have no room in Sparford, so they took me to Rikers. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Yeah. I went straight to Rikers C76. You know what I'm saying? Um, Street. Yeah, so I was in there for like my aunt and them was like, "Yo, we not gonna bail him out, let him sit." <laughs> so I, I sat in there for like 
maybe like two weeks or something like oh, that. Oh wow. At what age? Um this is like about fifteen. This is like wow. yeah. right. So when I got out when I got out of there, right? Maybe like I got out of there on a Friday and on Saturday Jay Smooth played that record for the first time. Wow. So I I was like, yo, I'm never going back to shit. I'm like, I'm not I'm like, yo, fuck that. I'm staying out here. Like I'm not and that was that was really all I needed to know about the jail. Like, because the funny thing is that I knew niggas in there. Like it was like it was it was not a stressful situation, but I just didn't like being confined and being you know, the normal things. You know what I'm saying? Like of course. The I mean, two weeks at Rikers, I mean, geez, like I mean, of course that will remind yeah. you why yeah. you don't want to be in a place like that. Yeah, it's like it's like nah, I was like, nah, I'd rather be out here, uh, you know, I'll figure these things out. You know what I'm saying? But I'll right. stop doing that. At that time I already did a few of them, so like, you know oh, I, I already accumulated you know, whatever demons I was gonna get from that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, especially at that age, yeah. I mean that's that's a traumatic experience. You gotta be. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. So I'm so I'm up here, and you know, usually when you know my father wasn't around, so right. he was still in St. Lucia. So well, people people think that when you get arrested or get in any kind of legal anything, and you don't have parents around, that it's like, oh, you just get to do what you want. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, no, right. it's like, nah. <clears throat> really, the only people that's gonna care that you locked up or whatever situation is you in is your mother or your father. Like there's going to be yeah. other people that come around, Oh, you know, your aunt. So, but those are, re- so that at that point I was like, okay, I have to really do something different. I can't really, I can't go down this route, even though we, I started putting out records and started acquiring certain kind of jealousies around a way that I couldn't, you know, back then it was, it wasn't the internet. So it's not like somebody could send you subs or whatever. You, you know, you had to deal with your, your shit, head on you know what I'm saying so that's what at that time when I got out of Rikers is what really was like okay you gotta I just wanna make records I just wanna do music and that's so do you feel like you got focused like did you did you like could you get back on track yeah yeah I, I felt like I had enough of what I needed from that part of my life right. to carry on and and try to make better myself because I didn't really have no the thing is that I didn't really have no blueprint nobody was like telling me don't do this do that like I had the homies the older homies but you know when you're that age you don't really you know you just do what you want to do you know what I'm saying right and it sounded like you were kind of like solo right you were sort of on your own a little bit yeah yeah basically yeah yeah Yeah, because after my mother passed my family you know you know like when family make promises to people that's about to pass away right as almost immediately after they die they you know, everybody renege on everything. You know what I'm saying? So, did you live by yourself, or like you well, bounce around? Or? About a year later is when I started living basically on my own. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Like I had a roommate. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And um, but from then on, it was like just music, and and then the year after that, now is when we wind up getting courted by Def Jam and yeah, all that stuff. Because before, I'm gonna tell you the truth. When we first started putting our records, the labels were trying to mess with it. Mess with us then. It wasn't like um, before we put our records. Of course, you know when you try to shop shit, and you know you have different people at A and R's, and you know we might sign y'all, whatever. But then when we started putting our records, and they started seeing our commerce, like as far as like in the stores that was next to Def Jam and stuff like that, then it was like, okay, we want to sign these guys. You know what I'm saying? So at that time when we when we was like in the Def Jam offices and 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 about to sign, and we really didn't sign not because. Um, they didn't want to. We was like in meetings with Leo and all that. 
It's just that they was not trying to give Fortress a label deal. You know what right. I'm saying? And that was kind of the idea. Yeah, right? that's what the, you know. So we was like, we were so loyal to Fortress that we was like, okay, we would rather not take the deal and and still, you know, rock with the Fortress family. Right. And we, right. Kept, we kept on going like that. So yeah. what was the process of doing that that first single? Uh, your uh, your actual first record. My my first record. You mean How Was Going Down? Yes. Okay, now How Was Going Down came about because Live the Life got the most spins off of the, that compilation. Right. And it was said that whoever got the most spins off that compilation gets the next record. So when How Was Going Down came about, me see me and Charlemagne being that we are from St. Lucia and we we even though we we um look at things from a New York point of view too. Right. But we also look at it from like how the kind of music we want to get played in, in our island. You know what I'm saying? Like so okay. It's it, when he's making a beat, he's not thinking straight New York for me, like because he he made separate beats for separate kind of like Ka, big up to Ka, yeah, um, Nightbreed, he, Nightbreed. Right. He'll make their beats a kind of a different way, and he'll make Vu's beats kind of like mystical and <laughs> mystical and magical. Right. right. <laughs> and, so then, how would you describe? And uh, mine yours? was mine was much more like versatile. Like I could, he know that if he put on any kind of tempo or any kind of melody or any that I could adapt to it. So he right. so he could use his full range of being because right now present day he's like an open format DJ like you know what I'm saying right, like right. when he 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 DJ show show palace in Queens right big and, club um, right yeah. yeah and um you know it's like a strip club type you know so oh, gotcha. he be in there and and he's he's an open format DJ and, and I'm an open format type of type of artist like not Meaning only anything goes right not anything goes but like what. I'm not confined to anything. I'm not like right. yo, because you know I feel like the 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 way it's separated. I don't look at it separated as much as because I'm not. I wasn't born here. Right, exactly. I don't look at it like okay, that's a West Coast beat. Oh, that's a down South beat. Oh, that's the East Coast. I just look at it. I find a, try to find my pocket within, you know, within any of that. Not right. not that I I'll just yo just put on a beat. And let me just no, but. I know how to adapt to it because I always, from day one, when I was telling you that my cousin had the tapes and all that, when I started really getting my own tapes and listening to my own stuff, I didn't care that it was where they were from. I didn't say like, yo, that I like, if I like mine's playing tricks on me, I didn't right. care that they was from Texas. Right. I didn't care if I like an E-40 song and he's from the Bay. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I didn't get, and I'm in the Bronx doing this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, exactly. Well, so, I think that's got to be something to do with coming uh, as a quote unquote immigrant into the country. Right, you absolutely. Yeah. I grew up that way too. My parents were immigrants as well. So it's like you, you kind of are, you develop your own perspective in a very unique way. Absolutely, absolutely. And and that's, you know, that's something that musically, um, artists that are not like that have a problem with artists that are like that because they, they don't have any allegiance to any part of the right. country. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, like, right. like I, I love the Northeast Bronx and I do, you know, I, I probably I was probably one of the first cats to say the Northeast Bronx. On a, on I think a you. I, I think for me, I, that's the first person I ever say hear say it on a record, especially because you know most your average hip hop listeners, especially back in the day, would most associate with the South Bronx. You know, right. Exactly. Exactly. And I had to make that a point that the Northeast Bronx is like that's where I'm from. And I could. And I even when I met um, you was just with the homie from um, uh, Legion. Like when I'm yeah. when I'm when I met Lord Tariq uh, in uh. This is like in the mid nineties or whatever. Right. And um 
He said, yo, I, he said, um, he was with somebody I knew. And I, um, I was like, yo, um, he's like, yo, he from the Bronx too. And I was like, yeah, but I'm from the Northeast Bronx. He was like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm Soundview, but that's, you know what I'm saying? I was like, yeah, we on the other side. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, not, and that, that's, and it was no, and he just said, yo, but it's the BX though. And we was like, you know, it was all love. But it's, I had to make a, de- because Flex was the only one was saying it on the radio as right. a DJ. But nobody was saying it as a rapper. He was saying you know, Northeast Bronx. He was saying or the Northeast, Northeast. Yeah, he was saying, and he was naming blocks and all that. Dope, like, dope. Yeah. So he actually is the he actually the record Vu's record that he started playing. Right. Um, lyrical tactics. I believe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I left that record on his in his backyard on his rim on one of his rims. You know what I'm saying? Really? Yeah. And he played it the same night. You know what I'm saying? Because wow. he was from he's from around the way, but he's. He's in the DJ part of it. I'm, I was in the rapper slash, you know, street doing, you know, right. fucking around with the streets and shit like that. So you, you took the twelve inch and put it on the back so, of the tire. Yeah, in the back of his, back of the tire, because I knew when he came out of his house, he's gonna see his rim. You know what I'm saying? Like he's yeah. gonna, he gonna look at his rims. You know what I'm saying? So I, I rested two records on there, and he oh, played dope. the same night. You know what I'm saying? And then <laughs> when he played, how it was going down though? How was going? I got a call from um, Rock and Soul, right? Yeah, record store. Right from the record store, and I forgot the guy's name. I'm, I apologize, but um, he called me. This is like three in the afternoon. He was like, "Yo, Flex just came in here and asked what's the hottest record this week. We gave him your, we showed him your record, and I was like, oh shit, okay, cool. So I just kept on, you know, I just whatever. So that same day, because I cut hair too, so I was cutting my homeboy's hair like around eight o'clock at night, seven o'clock at night, right. nine o'clock. I forgot what, like it was in the evening sometime, and. He put on he put on how right after LL record he put on how was going down. I was wow. like, oh shit! I was like, yo, I ain't even give him that record, right? But he that's dope that he, you know what I'm saying? And but it's crazy you actually caught it while while it happened live. Right, right, exactly. Because I, you know, because like I said, like it was no internet, so it was like it wasn't like he could. I would find out any other way, but right. but to listen, you know, what I'm saying? right, right, in real time, you know what I'm saying? So now, what was the process of doing that? I mean, that's a that's a favorite record of mine. That, I mean, I listen to that still. We'll revisit that to this day. But I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's a classic kind of example of your solo work with Charlemagne. I mean, this kind of very unique style of production for that as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it had like a, you know how it's going down. The reason why we did the B side, like yeah. that's that hard because we thought the underground or like the people at that time. Because I'm gonna speak on the word underground because I want to later. You know what I'm saying? But the quote unquote underground, we felt like they wasn't gonna play how it's going down the original. Right. Cause they had a cause I had a singer on the Yeah, had a singer and it's like a West Coast vibey type of beat. Right. You know what I'm saying? And we knew that one thing we knew is the aesthetics of what they liked. Yeah. At that very time. Even now. You know what I'm saying? So um when we released that and they started playing the A side on the underground. Yeah. Right? They kept playing it. Stretch played it. You know what I'm saying? He was playing Check the Style. Yeah, that, I, um, I lean closer to Check the Style, but I mean, yeah, like, Check yeah. the Style. Yeah, Check. Yeah, Check the Style. Flex was playing that one, so he played both sides. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but how it was going down was a special record because I we knew it was a big sample and all that, and, and we, but I didn't want to make the a record that people thought I was gonna make at that time. Like, mm-hmm, yo, mm-hmm. he's gonna he's gonna try to be mad lyrical at that. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. so. I went into the bag of not thinking of a coast, not thinking of a borough, not thinking of nothing, and just went into the just doing a great song. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's what that and check the style. I thought check the style. I was talking a little bit about MCs and like, but that yeah. was just for the 
sport of it, really. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That was like the, that was like a very common theme. Damn, you're right, exactly. Like differentiating yourself from other rappers and shit. You know what I'm saying? We, and you guys were going to stretch at that time. You were going up to yeah. K- WKCR at that time. Yes, absolutely. We are going to all those radio shows. And, and the thing is that, and this is why I feel it's kind of weird for the new guys, right? The new um, crop, because they only get to get their song played once on those sta- on those shows. Right. Now, and the thing is that repetition is what got natural elements to get really get cemented in like people's you know having several tapes with us with maybe the same song or maybe variations and and promos and the, oh yeah you know it's like now they get one chance for the record to get heard and then on to the next playlist next right. week you know what i'm saying right. and there's no way to gain traction like that no other part of the game does that no yeah, you know i mean what I'm i think that that plays into the mystique of this of that group too because of that period of time you guys probably represented that the most as as a group that existed like through word of mouth so much and it was people uh dubbing and and trading and mm-hmm. and sharing your music cuz there's only a few pieces of physical uh, releases that exist right. in the group but there's a lot of songs that people would either get off whatever radio shows they may be whether it was whether it was underground railroad and NYU or uh, you know KCR whatever else in between right because the promos too and the freestyles etc right we well we had that kind of output because Charlemagne the way Charlemagne um, produced he would he produ- every Saturday right when we go up there he would make several beats from whatever he collected from in the week or whatever oh gotcha and and Saturdays was the Saturday time, was the day, time right the day maybe around noon starting around noon and he. He does all the ideas that he had for the week. You know what I'm saying? And different beats. He ha- he has an idea. He says, "Oh, I want this to be a group record. Or I want this to be. Yo, I think this will be a good L Swift record." And he'll make the beat. I'll write, and then during the week, I come record. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we kept we kept doing that for repetitively. So we always had material for us to keep and material for us to put out. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the 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 reason why it's so parallel to now. Or why now is some why I love now better, is because we st- if the same regimen that we had, which was pick beat, write, record, release, right. That's the same thing that got people do now, just, but they just get to upload it to the rest of the world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the difference. But we have the same we had the same regimen, and that that regimen it created a, a huge consistency that we was. But we didn't stop it. The only time we stopped it is when we like dealing with any kind of major that you know we had to like uh, use those songs or whatever songs they liked at the time. Like when we signed the Tommy Boy, right? Um, like Two Tons was around at that time, and and like live it up. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. And um, so we had those, and they're like, okay, we want to use those for one for the soundtrack, one for the because we. Oh yeah, because it was a sound. Yeah, because it was a soundtrack for the Jet Li movie. Um. Black Mask and um, they used that song but they wanted to put it out as a separate single though uh, A and the B side to keep our consistency of releasing records going even though it was under them you know what I'm saying yeah yeah. so yeah I mean I would like to back up just a little bit too and, and how that those these you guys sort of navigated through these deals because the Tommy Boy thing like Def Jam it seemed like it 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 came and it gelled and you guys recorded material specifically for that but then like Ultimately, the uh, record wouldn't come out. Well, De- Def Jam was a separate issue than Tommy Boy. Okay, gotcha. Um, um, Def Jam, it was me, Kai, and Vu, and um, 
at the time, and Kai would say this in interviews, um, he didn't feel like he was equal to the, to me and, and Vu. He thought like he was like the weak link in the in the group, which I didn't feel like I didn't feel that, but he felt that. So when when the Def Jam thing with you know when they wouldn't give the, the label deal and right. all that shit, and we went back into us just putting our records on our own. Kai was getting more up when Nightbreed with his with his boy, where they were more they had like a good chemistry, and um. And A Butter came into the picture soon after. So when A Butter came into the picture, and me and him created Two Face and yeah. you know, all that stuff, he he changed the dynamic of me Vu and A. Then it turned into me Vu and A. You know what I'm saying? Right. But it was like not a clash. It was like a very smooth transition. It was like we met A off of him freestyling on the radio. I brought him to up to the Northeast Bronx. He chilled with me for like the weekend. What station or what show do you remember? Um, WNYU. Okay, Martin Moore too. Yeah, and Sunset. Yeah. Yes. And um, so he he was like you know uh, doing business dealings with them, and he's the one that got uh, Mayhem is the one that got us to go to England for the first time. This is like in '96. Right. We go to England for the first time, and that's where we recorded Two Face. But when right. we came back from from England, um, and we started you know just going back to the studio and like you know. We didn't. We continued the group. We didn't. We didn't. It wasn't no pause. Like yo, um, what do we do here? It right. was like it was more like okay, Kai is gonna go where he's creatively comfortable. Because if you hear his, his his music that he put out, yeah, it's sure. a certain zone. Oh yeah, the you know new the more contemporary stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. the new stuff, the new stuff. Yeah, yeah. but he, even Nightbreed was too. Right? Yeah, even that. Yeah, so and it's it, it all of that is intentional. Like if when you start hearing like more of our solo projects. It's intended that A Butter sounds different from me, right? Musically and everything, and that Vu's albums are different, and that Kai's albums. It was it was unheard of for us to get a beat that one of us knew that it was for the other, and we didn't give it to the person. Oh, gotcha. It was more like, yo, that's your zone. You know what I'm saying? Like you 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 run that. Out, you'll be able to do much better than me. And what now, about like for group stuff? I mean, how would you make a diplomatic decision about something like that? Well, it's you know what it is. It's with the current group, or you mean when, when it was me, Kai, and, and Vu, or you mean with me? A, I guess Vu. the more yeah, the more current one of with okay. with with yeah. A. Well, it's more like because this is the thing we using some beats that are not Charlemagne, right? Right. But it still has to have a certain. It's a certain ingredient that we know that goes into a natural element song. That's like it's like the secret ingredient. <laughs> like, like take Mayday. Like, take right? Mayday for example. Like, like Mayday. How would you approach okay. that one? Okay, Mayday. Charlemagne made that beat, right? right. And then. This is before Lyricist Lounge. This is like what was working on at the time. Because right. we always would give whatever um, licensing or whatever what we're doing at the time. We didn't right. let them like really delve into our old catalog or didn't give them something that we didn't that we felt like we wanted to put out later, later, right, later. Right. So we give them what we was doing. So when Lyricist Lounge called us to be on their compilation, we um we was that beat was up. You know what I'm saying? And that, and we was like trying to figure out ideas to it. And I came up with the hook, but I was like. I think Kyle would sound lovely on this, and this was already oh, he's when it, perfect addition to that. Yeah, he was. I was like his voice, his grimy voice. He could say these same words, and he did, and it's, and it came out crazy. And and um, and it was already the part where it was me, A and Vu, but he right. came in and he because like I said, it wasn't no fight, no. It was very easy transition. You know what I'm saying? Was there anything else where it's the four of you guys on one song? Um, you think where that seemed like that's kind of like a symbolic kind of track where it's sort of. Um, you know. We did one for Tommy. We did one for Tommy on the Tommy album. Okay, um, 
um, I forgot the name of that song, but it was Us and Nightbreed. Oh, dope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Shots Fired, I think it was called. Okay, okay. And, yeah, I've never heard that. And, and Co- uh, oh, Coptic, this guy named Coptic did the beat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Through Sean. This is when we was working in the studio. Um, when we was doing the Tommy Boy album, right? Young Guru was, was engineering. And we was oh, in, wow. we was in uh, D Dot Studio. That henchman henchman was locked up at the time, um, but he left his studio to D Dot. If I remember right, if I, I don't want to, if D Dot hear that, he's like, no. Right. But all I know is it was a henchman. You know, like the middle of the floor, it was a big henchman logo. Yeah, I remember. And and from what I remember, it was on Twenty Fifth Street. Okay. And I remember that he um, was. Use occupying his studio while he was locked up at the time, right. right? So, we was recording in there, but Charlemagne would let certain producers come in and um and help, like um right. like Mayhem did a beat, um and this guy named Coptic. And when Coptic did that um that beat, the shots fired, um is when we did that, me a vu, and Nightbreed. Right. right. How do you look back at that project? Because since it never really saw the light of day I know like eventually it kind of became what the, the, the this much more recent compilation is right? um, well bits and pieces of that right there's, there's a there's a couple sides to um the whole Tommy Boy thing now first of all I have no hate for Tommy Boy like right right like I, I learned I was telling my boy Brock earlier I learned a lot from Tommy Boy like I learned really Tommy Boy is where I learned the major label system like right. from behind the scenes like right. um, each department I, I was I was so you know I was a, you know the youngest cat right in the group so you know when you sign to a label and they 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 bring you in and they like yo you could you you know they had a gym down there now and they're like yo you you guys come down here anytime right so at the time I was already out of school I dropped out of school shit so I used to go down there and really like learn the departments like from like A to Z you know what I'm saying so you'd hang out and kind of so I'd hang out and I'd go out they were like we're having a marketing meeting for De La Soul and I'm like yo can I come back and I'll, and I'll come chill in the corner and just oh, learn like right. so Sam Crespo was there okay. big up to Sam Crespo he's at Atlantic now he's like he runs promotion over there but um I used, I used to sit there and learn every so up until that point all I knew was the independent world so I knew the breakdown of records and how to bring a record to Fat Beats or to you know, to get a licensing deal and put it on this compilation. I knew the independent world perfectly. Mm-hmm. But then when I learned the major label game was at Tommy Boy. And we was doing that album. And during, remember what I was telling you? If you backtrack, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I never really mourned my mother's death. I never saw her body get lowered into the um, into the ground because I, I told him I was going to jump in. And they, <laughs> they were like, okay, let's keep him up on the hill. Like, you know what I'm saying? Wow, okay. So I stayed in the limo. Um, but while we were signing Tommy Boy, like around right when 2000 was approaching, is when I finally came to the acceptance, yo, your mother's dead and she's never coming back. And that right there hit me like a ton of, br- like a ton of, br- you wouldn't even imagine, you know what I'm saying? And at the time we were still signed, I was living with my shorty at the time, but I didn't feel like my. I was like, what's what's going on with me? Why am I feeling like so lethargic? Like I, I was like, literally couldn't move sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And this is like, right about three months after we got off tour with the Roots, we was like in Sweden, Norway, and stuff like that. It was you know it was, but all that time I got to ignore it because it was like, 
you flying, you doing this, you, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, well, it's an ultimate distraction going on the road. And, and, and up until, and I say this a lot, like up, up until, like from 15 up until 21, I got the most um, admiration, love, and, you know, because it's real, it's, it was no internet. So it was like people that had to tell you they love you either write it or when they see you at shows or whatever. So I right, got, right. right. So I got, but it was such an overpouring of that that I got to ignore my mom's death right. because it was like, yo, L Swift, yo, blah, blah, blah. So that high, getting in front of certain crowds and just your day to day is surrounded by people that just love your music. You, you kind of like, and especially at that age, I didn't understand. So I was just like accepting that love, but not realizing that, okay, there's a big part of you that's missing, big hole in your heart, but sure. you're ignoring it because you just. So when I got to sit for a second and realize, came to that acceptance, I wanted to die right away. Mm. I was like, nah, I don't want to be here no more. I said, so at that point, I started like spending whatever money I had. And I was like, yo, I'm just, I just don't want to be here no more. I mean, and, uh, and, I started, I, and I don't know if I'm talking out of turn here, but I do remember that there was some sort of like, there was some rumor uh, that you had tried to like take your life or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like, um, and, I, and apologize for bringing that up, but I mean, is that around this time? This is what this is what happened. This is what happened. And I and I want to say this because I'm not going to be harping on it in in group interviews because I'm it's not by well, myself. Yeah, that's why we're talking you one on one as well. Um, in 2000, right, like around in May, I'm gonna tell you the exact thing. In May 22nd of 2000, right, I t- I ingested because I tried to like cut my wrist and stuff like that before like maybe like within those months like after 2000 so the time when I finally said yo you know what the only thing that's gonna really get me out of here and because I had I felt like I had so many demons in me from doing the stuff that I had to do mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. that I had to face I, I faced my demons you know what I'm saying and I looked and I had to like look them in the eye you know what I'm saying like I couldn't like run to the yo L Swift this, I couldn't run nowhere you know what I'm right. saying so it was like, yo, it was basically the, my final decision was it's either I die and y'all live or y'all live and I die. Mm-hmm. So I went ahead and took like almost 40 pills. Like, you mm. know what I'm saying? And my and my uncle, my uncle had a rooming house and I just went in the cabinet and took like different kinds of pills. And, oh, wow. and um, I blacked up, you know, I prayed and then I blacked out, you know what I'm saying? And, um. My uncle, and then I was unconscious for like about three days. Now, my uncle said that he came home for a book. He was in nursing school at the time. He came home for a book, and he saw me like just laid out, like right. this, you know what I'm saying. He called the ambulance, and they, you know, they took me to the hospital and they pumped my stomach and you know all that crazy shit. And um, on, for three days I wasn't awake. When I woke up, I couldn't like. I had the most weight lifted off of me. Like I was like, I felt like really like different and like not. And I don't want the other thing. Like it was like some other shit. It was just like, I felt like weight was lifted off of me. First of all, the demons was not, I didn't feel no demons okay. around me or in me. Um, and I just, I started, I kept, cause I never quit m- music. It was my life itself. Like, sure, sure. I was staring on the barrel. I was 22 or something like that. I was staring on the barrel of the rest of my life with no mother. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, nah, I, no, no. You know what I'm saying? Like I could, I wasn't, I was like, I can't, I couldn't see beyond that. You know what I'm saying? So when I woke up from that, you, man, 
I started seeing the vision, all the epiphanies that I, all the things that the labels wanted from us is the stuff that I now saw about our group, me as a solo artist, our whole scope, like how I want to, us to be looked at, mm-hmm. um, us with our branding, us with our, everything about us from top to bottom that you could, that a big corporation would think of. Like, is how what do you I, even get to that point too? I mean, because after I was coming sitting, out of something like that. Because I, mean, I was sitting, well, it was just me and the, and the heart monitor. You know right. what I'm saying? So I did, it was a lot of me talking to God, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And, and, and asking God what you want me to do. But more, he was asking me, what, what do I want? What do I want? He said, if you died a few days ago, would you be cool with being underground rapper L Swift? passed away would you be cool with that god asked me that straight up and i said no <laughs> <All right. laughs> and he said well this is the thing you could either continue to this i'll allow you to keep doing what you was doing before without my without caring what i'm what i'm thinking or you could listen to what i'm telling you and i'll show you how like the universe works and how, how you could align yourself with that I control that, but you, you, I want, I want to align you with that, and you on the other side now, and of what you were, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So, piece of mayhem too. Mayhem sent these two guys named the, named the Alims, the Alims. Okay. Um, I think one of them just passed. I just found out recipe. Um, he said, "Yo, your spirit would have been like, <laughs> like gone into infinity, like if you if you did that, if that would have transpired, like you, you have a like, you're gonna have like a loop, like a." You're gonna be in and out of your like your spiritual being is is changed now. You know what I'm saying? Like you, the way you um the way I sleep now, like I I have lucid dreams and all that. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like it's a different. But that led up the times when I was quiet and and wasn't saying anything in the hospital is when I received the most information and like what I wanted, like what the full scope. Even what we talking about now, because this happened in 2000, but. Even the full scope of like not allowing NE to be like any other group ever. Like as far as like how we do. Sh- First of all, we was ahead of our time, so we had to slow. We had to like fall back for a little. Not because there's a difference between falling off and falling back. Sure, absolutely. We fell. We came out. When I came out the hospital. We went to a meeting with our lawyer, and he said, "Listen, Tommy Boy said." And Tommy Boy sent me flowers. Tommy Boy was very supportive around it. Like I don't really have nothing bad to say about Tommy Boy. Yeah, yeah. But um, when when I got out and they said, "Yo, if y'all don't have the album in three months finished, we're gonna have to release y'all." So when I heard that, remember what I told you about me knowing and learning yeah. the the major label system by that time. So when I came out, I was my leg was kind of messed up because. Um, some of the pills I took were diabetic pills and they like um, mm. swole my legs up and they had to like cut open both of my legs. And, oh, wow. Man. You know what I'm saying? And um, so one of my one of my ankles is still like kind of messed up from that. Well, mm. but anyway, so um, when they said, yo, y'all have three months to do, I, I was like, we left that meeting and I just looked at A and I was like, yo, we get to get out the contract. <laughs> like we get to get out the was it, it was like a relief. Yeah. Huh? More like a because we knew all the aspects of the contract that they, we could just put them on ourselves. Right, now, right. all the things that we was like, so, because we looked at, well, I'm going to say me. I looked at 
Natural Elements as a rap group before the year 2000. After the year 2000, I looked at it as like an entity and as a brand, as a um, something in hip hop that's like unlike any other thing in hip hop. Mm-hmm. And what we could do with it if we really hone, if we really hone in and really like treat it like how anybody with big eyes that was ever looking at us treat it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So. And I was given the instructions for us to fall back at that time. Like I said, it's a difference between falling off and falling back. Right. We fell, we fell, we fell back. And um, when we when we um started doing music again, like A Butter was in a rock group, he was like doing different stuff, and like I started doing my mixtapes where I was like really just doing whatever I wanted to do. As cross country, music. right? Cross country. So that's yeah. so at that time is when you kind of created Swigger. You, you, yeah, so I did. did you Swigger. abandon the L Swift thing completely? Or? Yeah, I kind of like look at you know you know um really for a while I was L Swigger for okay. L, L Swigger Swift right mm-hmm. and then I chopped off the the Swift and I was L Swigger right and I said what would Puffy do? What would Puffy tell me to do? <laughs> 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 I was like Puffy would say take the L off. And then I came with Swigger, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, but I looked at it as a different, as a, as a division, because first of all, there's a, like a, um, a, a very big nostalgic 90s um, thing that ha- that's going on currently. Sure. Big right. Time. And I believe that the only songs from the 90s are the ones that were recorded before December 31st of 1999. Right, right. Got you. Yeah. Now, anything else besides that is like, it's like trying to do an '80s song in the '90s. Yeah, right. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it's like, right, right. It's like to me, in my opinion. But we would see. I can't. I'm not trying to tell other people what to do because they might, they might see that as a glory moment where they wanted to be present. But we was present in that time, so we don't really look at it as like, oh, we need that. We, right. you know, what I'm saying we more look look at it like, yo. It was great. It was a great time. We had fun. Yeah, I mean, you made some a lot of memorable music that yes. means a lot to a certain kind of people, people too. right? Today and, and and when when we look at YouTube and see like I be looking for hater comments. I don't find. Nah, I don't find, not find uh, no. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I didn't know. You know, all this thing about like timeless music, like when people call something a classic, like after a day and like right, you right. don't know. Like I could literally say there's songs that we did 22 years ago. That people that would hit me up about now, and I'm like, that's when you know if something's timeless. Oh yeah, you can't you can't. Besides that, before that, you could just you could say it, but it's empty words. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. But so, all right, whatever. Okay, so then we were kind of like, um, I guess at the beginning of like the like the cross country era for you too, which is like another one that's that's like there's not a lot of documentation for that. There's two cross countries, right? Like. Well, there's three cross countries. Okay, so these are for people that aren't familiar. These are these um, mixtapes that, that you did yeah, like, as Swigger, right? Yeah. What happened is, um, I didn't want to put out like an album, right? And I didn't want to put out just singles, right? Right. And at the time, my homeboy Jay Arms, he was like all the way entrenched in making, like, helping Dipset with with their mixtapes. Right. Right. So he would like work with Duke the God, and you know, and he had a pressing plant himself. Oh, dope. He okay. was making his own mixtapes. Jay Arms that does um the instrumentals. Right. Um and um he he produced a couple of joints as of late for us. But um at that time I just wanted to put together like bodies of work 
that was like um, where I had wiggle room to do what I wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? Right. And at the time, I, you know, all the stuff that I like, like Three Six Mafia and, right. and all that stuff, I was like, I like rap, rapping to those beats. I, I, they're fun for me. Like you know what I'm saying? So let me do mixtapes where I'm not confined to one sound or one thing. Yeah. And let me let me let me um create some wiggle room for myself, not only on these projects but in general. Because if they just know me from, that's why it was good that it was a name L Swift because it's like. It does. It wouldn't make sense to the people. Well, yeah, that musically, they're totally different from the L Swift stuff. Yeah, too, yeah, you know? and that's and really, the L Swift that the L Swift whole the, that style is like one part of my skill set. Like right. one, you know what I'm saying? But to some people that just know me for that, that's all they want from me, which is cool. But you know, nobody gets like, you know, I'm a Gemini. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, nobody yes. gets like everything they want from me. All the like, you're gonna if you walk in a room and you think I'm gonna be wearing orange today. I might wear purple just because not because well, well there's two sides you know to Gemini right right so. right exactly so I'm like very like either I'm positive energy with you all the time or I'm not and we don't really you know what I'm saying and right. because I don't know how to be like I don't look at gray areas too well that's why like even when I said I wanted to take my own life is because I either looked at I still look at it like life or death you know what I'm saying it's like right. there's no gray areas of it's a lot of them. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot yeah, of them. Absolutely. But it's like, it's just like with my peoples. Either, like I said, either I fuck with you all the way 100 or we don't at all. Like, I don't know how to do the 30% sometimes and then 60% over here. I, I'm not good at that. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, I forgot where we were at. Well, we were just, I think is like a kind of an interesting bridge yeah. for you too because yeah. it's like you kind of came, it's like when the group was sort of in a weird didn't yeah. really exist for a right. while. Right, yeah. I, on the first cross country, I put A and V on there and we were rapping oh, right. over like a Pharrell beat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, and I wanted to do that because we didn't really, like I said, all of these things that happened and never we never had any group problems. Never. Oh, so, so through all this stuff. All like, the yeah. stuff, all through the whole time, me and V never had an argument. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's, it's like, it was, it was always us and then we let the outsiders just that's why like you don't hear us on a lot of like other stuff in the nineties. Sure. Because yeah. like like I said in the in the in the uh, Live It Up Part Two, you yourself to blame, I shelter the pain. Like I was like, Oh, you don't need to try to be my friend, nigga. We self contained. Yourself right. to blame, I shelter the pain. Because it was really like that. We really like had our own zone where we didn't really need nothing else. We had our beats, we had a ways to record, we had our ideas, and we didn't look to outside supporters as far as musically creatively for anything you know right I think a good example of that too is if you go back to the underground railroad days and you listen to that freestyle where it's, it's you and Jay-Z yeah it's L Swift Mr. Voodoo and Jay-Z and how he's you know reluctantly Jay Smooth reluctant uh, he tries to convince Jay- Jay-Z reluctantly yeah. he starts rhyming yeah and he yeah. gives you know he, he, he throws out like eight bars or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah and then the two of you guys just run with it into yeah. like into the horizon <laughs> and shit and it like, becomes its own thing from there which yo, is pretty dope yeah it was fun. it was crazy cause like I sw- when I started rhyming when I was like about six bars in I just started to see him getting ready to leave you know what I'm saying like right. he was getting ready to get up and I was like but but this is the, I, I want to say something about that freestyle or, or around yeah, that please. time what we, this was like around 90, early 96, I think, I believe, because this reasonable doubt wasn't out yet. Um, when he walked into that building, right? Oh, yeah, and this cause, is, cause, sorry to interrupt, because that's because you rhyme over uh, um, In My Lifetime. In My Lifetime. Right. So that was probably 95. Sure. Yeah. Something around that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, 
be, being that he had a lot of run-ins with label situations and shit that fell out and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. He learned the business at, of course, he's older than, than me. So, I mean, he learned certain parts about the business that we was only, when he met us, all we cared about is spitting raps and getting, and making sure that we had dope raps. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's all we cared about. What he cared about was, I'm coming to these underground guys to do, you know, be on a radio show, but I'm thinking about business. I'm thinking about like, joint ventures and he's thinking about right. all the business things that he of course developed into being that we wasn't even th- like we he was thinking half business half rap that's why he was hesitant because he he right. wasn't coming there for that and he, he was said there to promote, that too he was yeah, like i didn't come, come here, here for that he came here crazy that he was there in the first place so. right and he came there to promote his record right? right and now when you really look at it i wasn't even you know at that time you know i'm a young cat and i'm like yo man that was just we didn't look at him as no different than anybody else because he didn't he wasn't really uh what he became you know what I'm saying like the next year when he did reasonable doubt and and it started moving like that then people started separating and said oh y'all have a, a freestyle with Jay-Z right. but up until then it was like Jay-Z has a freestyle with natural elements right that, right to be real to be honest with you and he because like i said when we started putting our records the la- we never really had a problem with labels wanting to sign it. It was just that we knew so much about what the right. about the inner workings that we were kind of like t- like over smart for the for their offices. You know what I'm saying? Like right. we'll go in there and they'll be like, "Yeah, we just want half of your merchandising." And do it. Uh-huh. like, "No, yeah. no, we want this, and this is how we want our mechanical royalties to be set up because this is how we have it set up independently, right. and this is how." And they didn't, you know. Of course, they hate. You know what I'm saying? Like they like, you know. So we kept on being independent, but. Jay was dealing with the music business itself, and like since since Jazzo and all that crazy, you know, sure. everybody knows his story. And um, he kind of like looked at the labels different than how we looked at labels at that time. Right, right, right. Like they was the enemy more than they were. Um, could make a camaraderie with him. Like when he got the Def Jam deal, and they, you know, in the Nutty Professor soundtrack and all that. Right. Then when the label started working with him. Now, then they can make a success. Because I think, like, the right relationship with an artist and a record label is what really makes success, like, musically. Well, you know yeah, because the infrastructure is there to push them. Right. And just, and just the fact that an artist, a artist doesn't wake up at 9 in the morning and say, let me go to the office and make sure that the radio station in Milwaukee is playing. Right, and this right. is what labels care about in the, their core. They care about how much... How much spins is this getting on? So what could we do to make sure that DJ does? They think, and these are things that artists don't really care about either one mm-hmm. or don't really put themselves in the firing line to deal with. That's why like when you see like um, any radio show, when, when you see a major, major artist, there's the radio guy. Like I think Def Jam has Sav, Young Sav and okay. like that. Okay. Um, where there's the radio guy that sets it up and he go, and the artist goes in and he's just cordial with the DJ and the host. He don't talk about when they didn't play his last record. Right. He don't talk about him not being on the last um, concert they had. He don't. Right. Do not, that's for his manager and his and the radio guy to get with the label and say, "Yo, we're gonna give we're gonna give y'all more advertising money for this, sure, so sure. y'all could because that's their that's what they are in it for." And I think like. Corporate and and 
it's always going to clash with artists because unless it's a good working relationship where where each other let the other do their job, mm-hmm. then it's going to be chaos. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Which I think, you know, that's why natural elements, at least back then, existed in a very, like, in a very specific way. It's like punk rock thing mm-hmm. when, because there was a revolt against record labels during, before there was the era of raucous and all that stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. raucous, actually, I saw one of the guys from raucous in an elevator, right? <laughs> when was, okay. when was, uh, after we had signed a Tommy Boy, right? And we was going up, I was going up to my lawyer office, and big up to our lawyer, um, Theo. And, um... He was like, yo, y'all should have signed the Rockers, <laughs> right? And I looked at him and I said, yo, but y'all would have been servicing the same people that was we we could service. Right. For you sure. know what I'm saying? Yeah. We, we The same circles that y'all were in in New York, Lyricist Lounge, or we already in them circles. Right, right. So we would be paying y'all to mediate between people that we already right, know. Right, like, yeah, right. So, and the dude just looked at me like, y'all dope. Y'all one of my favorite groups. So I was like, yo, good looking, man. I was like, maybe we could do some work with y'all. And then, when we did the lyricist lounge shit, they they adopted it like they um I believe they uh they were doing the distribution and all that crazy shit for it. So, uh-huh. so they was the one like paying the checks and all that. You know what I'm saying? So right. I I had to go get my checks straight from them. You know what I'm saying? Like because right. you know because they was trying to pay lyricist lounge later to pay the artists. I was like, right, gotcha. So raucous and but we didn't think it was a good fit for us. We felt like Tommy Boy wouldn't know how to because we was looking at it like. What could somebody do for us outside of us independently? And what the thing was at that time was international stuff. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And we knew that we was getting like letters from like Russia and play, play, fan mail and stuff. And people from radio stations from, you know, different places tell us, oh, this place in China. But before the Internet, there's no way you get that stuff in real time. That, right, that kind of talking. So like. We felt like we had to be on a major to just spread our word and to get and what not because of money and not nothing. It was definitely because we wanted. We felt like if we wanted to be heard on an international level, then we had to leave from outside of the confines that we are in that we have right now. Right, the right. ones that we could do for ourselves. Right. So how do you see that now? Because it's completely an independent thing now. Right? Yeah. Because you've kind of reformed and released. There's there's a record and uh, a project that just came out. Right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We love me, a butter and Vu, We love the whole streaming world, and the, because this is how we look at it: all those tapes and freestyles and stuff you right. said that you you know that people trade around and people bootleg our records and like you know crazy. Um, all the times that somebody listened to our freestyle, let's say one kid and his crew, he took a tape to college and he passed a tape around right. and they listened to it a hundred thousand times, right? Let's, <laughs> right, say, right? let's say, let's right. say, let's say, right? Let's okay. say, right? How do we fucking know that number? We don't. Yeah, well, it's we impossible. Don't. To it's impossible. That. Right. So now we're streaming now. That same guy goes to his college, pull up his Spotify, right. pull up his whatever, and says, yo, we're going to play this natural elements. We can look in real time, maybe call close to it, and say, yo, tonight in Colorado, this kid at this university played our shit 55 times. Whatever the fuck. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's more... It's more data. It's better data, and it's that's what you need to be able to move along and and um acquire any kind of deal in any on any kind of level. It's right. data. You know what I'm saying? So we love. I love that. I love that we was able to like when we put out those last three songs. The death comes in threes, and we're gonna put out more um in sets of threes, and then we're gonna you know uh, well, I'll tell you more about it. You, yeah. But we but we um we wanted to surprise the people, but more we was just so happy that we could press send. 
<laughs> and people, the first time I googled Defcom natural elements, Defcom in threes, it was a, a, a it was in Japanese. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I'm nice. like, they were the first ones to like. I'm like, so somebody in the, on the other side of the world right now has the shit that we would have had to make records, press up, right. <laughs> mail out, right? Da, 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 to get them to even hear us or hear us on tapes or whatever. You sure, know what I'm sure. So we lo- the people that don't know the difference of when you used to put our records then and now think it's like, oh, it's so it's so easy it's so easy now. It's like anybody could do it. Okay, so if anybody could do it, do some great shit and do it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like because it's it's available for you to I want people to you know, be able to pull up any kind of any song that you think of from us or me and it'll be at their fingertips because you know I, I, I have the saying where I say uh, the best ability is availability. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah, so I like, like just having it at your finger, like people could pass a tape around like back in the day, but it's like we know that we, we the shit that we could do in real time and just put out, that's what we look like. We have, we, we like so excited about it that we like, when we record it now, it's like, oh shit, like we just so happy about it because we know that we get to see real data we get to touch the people that fuck with us that's in contact with us because we still have to monetize ourselves on on overall on the web because there's a lot of dormant fans that we have that don't even know that I'm on Instagram or or A is on whatever you know what I'm saying that don't wouldn't know because they you know but through the consistency of releases is what's gonna I believe will change everything for us you know what I'm saying so like so we just gonna we starting off there with these three songs and we just and we're going to, and unlike before, where you had to like give a section of time for the solo artists to put out stuff. Right. Now we can all do it at one time because we're not, like I said, to harken back to um, what I was saying about how all of us are different. Right. Like when I was doing like um, the, the, the mixtapes, right? And, um, right. And I was doing the Northeast Wildcat stuff. Oh, right, right, um, right. With my boy Eddie Brock. That's right here. Yes, um, yeah. Shout out to Eddie um, Brock. I knew that Northeast Wildcats is not going to sound like Natural Elements. Well, yeah, sure. Right, yeah. and then and, and, and Eddie Brock's solo stuff is not going to sound like my solo stuff, okay? right? Because it, we feel like you know, it's it's almost like I don't know if it's a pride thing or if it's like just, but we like we look at it like a supermarket, right? Like where it's like, yo, you have your aisle, you control that aisle, you control you control produce, right? Now you in there, and anybody that wants problems with you and any problems with produce, they come to you. So like with Kai, like how Kai's doing his music, right? Anybody in that world that use minimal production and like rap over like not much drums and all that, they have to compete. They, he, they're in his section of the supermarket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, it's like, so you have to deal with him. You don't really have to deal with me. Like, right. I, you could say you're better than me or you could say, oh, he the, oh he be doing, he, he don't pick good beats. So you could say whatever about yeah, me that's because so that's not my intention. Right, yeah, right. It's not my intention to be like, even sound like natural elements on my soul. Right, right, right. Well, because, that's a good thing to be able to differentiate between those two things, too. Cause, yeah, because it's like if you're gonna do that, you might as well just keep just doing group stuff. Right. If you're gonna sound like the group. Right. 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 You know what I'm like, because if you're picking the same kind of beats and you're doing the same, to me, it's like reduplicating something. Like it's right. like, and you know when you reduplicate, you could only be the second best or third best. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, do you look back at that older stuff? Like, are you are you happy with that material? Because it seems like it's from a very different period of time in your life. Obviously, yeah. Too. Yeah. Um. That's why the separation from L. Swift and Swigger is very like to some people to to the, to the people that just know me as L. Swift. I a lot of them be like, "Yo, 
I still call you L Swift. I'm like, that's fine. That's that's what you know of me. Like, sure. I'm not, I'm like, like we don't be tri- like I don't be tripping on none of that stuff. Like, that's fine. You know what I'm saying? My thing is that I for me to know the differentiation. It's like somebody else doesn't have to know it, but right. me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like somebody else doesn't have to know where there's a hole in the street, but I do if I want to walk over there. You know what I'm saying? Like right. they don't have to care. They can fall in the hole if they want to. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like it's me that 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 makes that differentiation, and I and I and I clearly know when I'm writing when I'm from the origin of me picking a beat. I know from right then, Natural Elements fans not gonna like this, or Natural Elements fans gonna love this. Right, right, right. I know that for a fact. So when I so when I'm doing the swigger stuff, and I'm like my wiggle room that I gave myself, I can now do whatever I want. And it still be me. It still be attributed to me. Right. You know what I'm saying? And not doing any what anybody else is doing. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. But just me doing what, like me telling my life story, or me like saying things in my rhymes that only attributed attribute to me. Like it could, it could, it could. It's gonna touch other people. But like I said, I said, uh, I have this song right coming out right called, called Perseverance, right? Okay. With Jay Arms, the producer, right? And um, I said, I have this rhyme where I say um, the start of it is like. I said, just another night in my wonderful life. I could have died any time I went under the knife. Stomach was tight and anesthesia was shut in my eyes. Then I drift into a place where my mother's alive. That's until I'm waking up when the surgery's over. Medically intoxicated, but virtually sober. Got so much drive now, I could have returned as a chauffeur. Mm. A landscaper cut the grass and I murdered the cobras. Now, right? Now, somebody else could say that, could probably say that. Right. But it's so me. That they would have to like go outside of themselves to oh, to, sure. to reach to do that. Now it's cool if you could because I feel like people think I feel I feel like a lot of rappers like from that time and I'm not trying to name no names or start no beefing, but they feel like they have our style down pat. Like mm-hmm. yo, oh we know what the natural elements we know what they what they do, but try to do it then. Right, right. Because all these years from 2000 up until 2018. There haven't been one group to replace us. Why? <laughs> you know what I'm like, okay, well, like you have all the means. You you have more money than us, probably. You have probably, you probably have more connections than us. You probably have more. But why can't you do something that our fans would say? Oh, y'all, y'all can replace any. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, but I mean, it's impossible just because it's the people that are at play. I mean, like when you when you especially when you pull in Charlemagne, you know, for his musicality, but. It's like such a dynamic group of voices, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of it is a period of time. I don't think there's a re- anyone that could possibly replace it, even of that era, because there were so many different characters of that era, too. Right. You know, like, right. And I'm talking about, like, right leading into the 2000s. Not right, even, because right. 18 is, like, real far away from it. But Oh, for sure. But but 2001, two, and people would, were, like, still putting out records. Like, it was still, it's still moving, but the... Yeah. Un, but, the quote unquote underground, which is something I want to say, like I feel like that's so dated oh, to say time. to say underground because it's like you have the internet now. Nobody's underground. Right. Who's right. under? If you could pull up, if 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 Jessica from Idaho could pull up your music right now on her computer, right. you're not underground. Right. Right. I don't care who. I don't care what. But they say it because it's like a um. It's like a thing to say. Like back then, it was like, "Yo, it was underground because it was getting played on 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 on, on radio, on uh, not commercial radio, yeah. or or like on on college radio." Sure. So it was like literally, un, like literally, you could say that. But when times change, you have to like, 
I think it 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 it, um, it marginalizes artists to say that about themselves now. Oh, big time! You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it doesn't really apply. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it doesn't exist. So, yeah. um, so going back a little, a little, a little further back, um, the instructions that I was getting from from you know the Most High, the universe, right. was telling me that when we fall back, we can't accept any shows that says. 90s revolution. Right. We can't do nothing. We can't. We wasn't allowed to. Like we could. No matter how much it paid. You know what I'm saying? Right. So we were set to put ourselves to still record and record naturally because Vu and Eight. Like I'm, I, I record more. I write and record more like machine like. Okay. Um, but A and Vu more is like when they feel it. So I. I right. So there's no way you could you could put a bag of money in front of A and say write this rhyme right now. Right, He'll right, be like, right. <laughs> so the natural elements thing is really like organic like that, like really like our name says. So it takes, it's that we don't take forever, but we take the time it takes to make records. We don't, right. we don't, we believe in like the old method of making records, not the old method of promoting or, or, or streaming and all yeah, that. Creating you know the, right. the creative yeah, part yeah. of it. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. We still believe that the ingredients, we still make it from scratch. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like, Pun intended. You know what I'm saying? So it's so so for us to that time that we took where we fell back, it was very at a very important time for us because we was me and A was talking like every day. Vu is Vu is more Vu don't really like any of this fame or any of this stuff. Like Vu right. is like he's pretty low key guy. Yeah, anything that has to do with like <laughs> Um, notoriety and people like he he could do without that is what I'm saying yeah. <laughs> he could do so and A is kind of like that in a certain way too but he's more like outward you know he's a wild Puerto Rican cat <laughs> like uh. he's, you know say from you know from one to five. so like he's more like he's with the shits like whenever you know what I'm saying but it had to take that course but then when I started seeing other things happening not having to do with us, but like the music business, how the right. music business was changing. That's when it started really, because I always, ever since, like I said, the year 2000, up all the way through 2009, 10, all of this stuff that, as I knew was going to be happening now. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's just that it had to take its course and I couldn't rush it. I couldn't say, yo, Vu, yo, let's go do this right now because if we don't do this now, it's it's over. It was, ne- it was never under any kind of, it was like, yo, um, I got this Charlemagne sent me this beat um, I'm gonna send it to you Alright Yo we got studio on the 15th Alright I'll be there <laughs> It was wow. very like Like when we did our song Feel A came in And he just finished Writing his rhyme on the train Right And um, I, I I was in the booth Laying my shit down and But I, you know This is after Vu already went But he right. didn't hear Vu's yet So He finished his shit He go in there And he lay his shit down He come out And he said This should feel This should feel like we just did like a freestyle or radio thing. So I was like, that's how it was supposed to, you yeah, know, yeah. it's literally called feel, but it's supposed to be like the natural elements feel like, yeah, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Right. But nope, I don't think, and what I was saying about not, and not being able to be duplicated is that it's not something that we're in control of. And as soon as I released, um, the control of what we feel like should be going on and what we, anything contrived, we just literally surfing on the universe, like yo, mm. we, you know, this is now y'all supposed to put out music, y'all. We put out the the NEP in 2014, right? And um, that was really just and just like I'm gonna go like every step and tell you what what we um 
what I wanted out of every time. Right. And what, right? In the 90s, all I wanted, I swear to you, all I wanted was people to know that our group is one of the best rap hip hop groups ever. You know what I'm saying? That's all I want. Like, so it was really about us getting the music out consistently and and all that and just for us to be named among the top people right. you know what I'm saying that's yeah. it that's it that's all I wanted from the whole 90s really from when I started rapping up until because I started rapping because I was expressing my mother's um uh, how I felt about my mother's death right, right. that's the first that's what I because I have no other way to express it I ain't going to no therapy I wasn't like the steps of mourning and I wasn't I didn't know none of that stuff like, so like so it came through the music so it came through the music that's why like when you hear me on records like NYC and I'm like yo Run two blocks. I run the opposite two, so we four blocks away from who the cops and like we literally used to do that. Like sure. So my peoples in the northeast Bronx on my side, like when they hear me talk about the valley and Section Five and stuff, that was like close to home. And but these is on records, like you know what I'm saying. So like I had like a different objective of how I look at um myself as a solo artist because I didn't really want to um I didn't really want to treat myself like I. I was what people were saying. I, I just wanted to just stay in a creative mode. But at that time when I was doing the, 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 the mixtapes, all I wanted from that, just like I said, all I wanted from 90, mm-hmm. all I wanted from the mixtapes was to be able to put out bodies of work consistently without the constraints of an album in retail like that. Even though right. we got retail with, you know, but just without those constraints and being able to give people music directly like we always did, just straight to you. Like, I, I would... And the reason why cross country was so pivotal to me, because I would go to different parts of the country and just like sell mixtapes and different stuff. And I, they'd be like, yo, what, 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 what's on here for me? What do you think I like? And I'll play something that I know that their region likes. Sure. And it and was that's like, kind of the concept, right? Right. That was kind of the concept. And, and it was like, it was so like liberating to me because I felt like whatever people know me as, I know I'm not just that, but I can't tell them to take what they see me as out of their mind. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you, you've got to think, but I'm, I'm the one making the headway to do pause, to, to, uh, for, to foray into that. And that's what, all I wanted, that's all I wanted from that, that time when I, I put out eight, eight mixtapes, including two Northeast Wildcats. Oh, wow. So what about now then? Um, now, what, now, what I want is, as a whole, not just in rap, in rap, in the rap music genre, as a whole in all genres that our crew and like the people that's in our, our, our crew is to, we want to be able to spoil the audience to a point where they don't accept a lot of other shit. You know what I'm saying? Like basically. Right, right. So, but not only that, this, that's creatively. Um, uh, business wise, you see what I was saying about Jay-Z, what he thought, what he was thinking back then mm-hmm. is all of what um, I, I know and and I'm thinking now. I was 17 when that freestyle happened, probably. If, if that, you know what I'm saying? And it's like the international level and making us uh, formidable corporate-wise too. Not just like, you know, just in a rap group. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I feel like I want us to just go down a history in a certain way. And we could, and the way, the stuff that we put now now is not going to sound like our old stuff or like anybody else's stuff. Because we want our sound to be a certain way. You know what I'm saying? We want, you know, my homeboy called me and said um, he was at a at Full Sail University and um, he was in the back of a book, 
um, naming musicians and, uh, and whatever. Okay. They put na- they have natural elements there, okay. right? And I'm like, I was like, but that's the thing that like that supersedes your genre. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like we fight so much in, within our genre that we don't understand that it's the people that don't like rappers. They don't care if you're a southern rapper, conscious rapper, right. <laughs> West yeah. Coast. They just matter. don't like rappers. Period. Right. So then, when you go outside of that, when you go outside of how we treat each other, like with the with the many genres and the and who's like subgenre and what what belongs in hip hop, and the, I don't look at nut because that's they should be able to do whatever they want to do. Just like when we came in the nineties, we did whatever we wanted to do. I didn't care what anybody said about from right. the eighties said about how I rap. Like I didn't care. So why would these guys care? Why would Lil Uzi Vert care about? what anybody has to say that's older than him or not whatever about his style or I mean his his music style right, his right. dressing style like, that's, that's you know that's a that's another conversation yeah yes yeah, but his music style when he goes in the studio and think of, and come up with a beat where's the part where because I believe that the only time your opinion counts in a song is either when it's being written recorded mixed or mastered okay outside of that your opinion is like a fog like they not even they're already out of space. Like they not like so you giving your opinion afterwards is very like it does nothing to the song. Right. The people that don't like it, you know what I'm saying? Like the song the song keeps going. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, I don't like um I don't like Teslas. But they're gonna keep going. Like um, no, I like oh, Teslas, sure. but, was, no, but if I, I say like, if I say no, if I say like if I say that, like, right. like, yo, I don't fuck with Tesla. That don't mean that they're gonna stop. <laughs> like, of course, of course you know not. what I'm saying. So that's what. When natural elements, um, one of the things I want people to know, is that, on top of that's what what I, what I want as far as like, on an international level. We do not hate the new guys, man. A lot of our fans, a lot of our fans, like. I call them the snobby, the snobby section of our fans. Right, right, right. <laughs> they like, oh, I, I hate those. It's like, so buy buy more of us then. Right. If right. you don't support like those, like, sure. support. You know what I'm saying? It's like you, every like I'm harking back to the supermarket uh, analogy. There's a reason why there's not just Heinz ketchup. Right. <laughs> like there's other ketchups because other people like different. It's like. I might not like Del Monte, right? Right. But somebody mm-hmm. might go in there and be like, yo, all I, all my family, my grandmother, my whatever, at the dinner table, like, all we like is Del Monte. Right. So I could come in there and say, yo, man, yo, that Heinz shit is better. It's better It's better on your calories and shit. It's better. Right. But they'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Pass that Del Monte. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. 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 So like, it's it's so subjective that it's like, but, but being that I look at every region like the same. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't even look at our group when they say, yo, you guys are similar to these guys. We like, if you could say that if you want to, sure. but I know what we are and I know where we fit into the landscape and what we could do and what we are doing business wise. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And what, because business wise, and, and this is something that business wise is something that the fans don't and shouldn't care about. Like you shouldn't, I feel like it's, it's really you see, like, when we talk about all the stuff with the labels and all sure. that? You see, I never one time said, yo, because, you know, they don't, the labels are, yo, them niggas, is, they don't understand. They, never, right, right. never, no, no. They doing their job. Right. Like, if you know the business of what they're doing as much as them, how could they jerk you? 
Right, sure. sure. You know what they it's like you know what they doing. Right. And the problem is if they know what they're doing and you don't know what they're doing and you're signed to them. You know what I'm like, yeah, which is more usually the case. Usually the case because you only care about the music right. when you come in. If which is natural. All I care sure. about is the music. Until Fortress started showing me, like I started seeing like, you know, when they sell a vinyl and different things about retail sure. that I got to understand later and then I I was like, Okay, that's how that works. But like the major stuff, man, like they they let them do their job, man. Like they, if you know what they know, like I said, then y'all could do business. Right. <laughs> so where do you see like um, what what's coming up for the future for you too? I mean, that's a broad question, but you know, since since people now associate, there's like a few different versions of of uh, of you that people right. associate with. Well, so. well, now what I'm gonna do is like. It's like I'm at a culminating point. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like I'm, I'm culminating everything that I've ever like. When I write a rap around now, I draw from different parts of my history. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it might be some things that I say in a rhyme that might be something that I might say in a Northeast Wildcat song because I, I channel my energies because I have so much creative energy that I have to channel my energies. You know what I'm saying? So, so when are you I'm, recording super often? Like, do you record all the time? Yeah, I record in bulk, too. I don't record... Um, oh, you do, like, a whole project in one? No, no. I, I, when, when I say I record in bulk, I mean that I don't record just for one project. Okay. I might... If I go to the studio and lay down six songs today, right. one will be for one project, two will probably be for one project, one will probably be for one, and one I might use for some other... You know what I'm saying? Right, like, sure. Because I always was taught how to, like... Musically stockpile, and 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 now we're at the point where I'm just letting the universe tell me this is when you're supposed to put this out. Right. Put this out now. Try to get the video done for this now. Right. And it's more like I'm just being guided more. You know what I'm right. saying? Now where where I'm, it's no pressure. It's no like I have to do this by now. Yo, if in six months this don't know, right. it's like. If that don't happen in six months, then what you gonna do? Yeah, because like, I mean, you know it's your. I mean, you're in completely in charge of everything. Right? Yeah, and we know the business on both ends. That's what, <laughs> it's like you know when you it's, it's, you know the reason why you know uh, LeBron could go and play the way he plays because he has agents that all they do is care about the business. Right. So when he's on the court and he's like playing around or he's trash talking, there's somebody back there like you know. Even on many on many levels, like with Magic and the shit that he's dealing sure. with now, there's things going on business wise, dollars wise, uh, uh, um, um, product placement wise. While he's playing, they're looking at his sneakers, his wristband, his this. Nike is doing this. The stadium is doing this. The TV stations are doing this. Right. The radio people are doing this. The satellite people are doing. Now, him just playing and having fun is without the stress. Of all those other things. Sure. But he knows if you have to sit him down and say, yo, how much is TV making off of you? How much is TBS making off of you tonight? I bet you he could find out. Uh, (laughs) He could find out. You know what I'm saying? But that's because people have data now where you could really, really micromanage your data. You know what I'm saying? Like like on some real shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's it's beautiful now. You know what I'm saying? To me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So so it's just a cope. Like I said, it's just a cope. It's just me using, and me more now. Than ever, I'm gonna um because I'm more. As I got more mature musically and just like as a person, I uh, m- I'm much more in tune to my island, Saint Lucia. I I, I I 
was the last time you went back? Um, in '99. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, Do you think you go back? Anything? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm like, I'm like chopping up with the tourism board. And, you know what I'm saying? Like stuff like that because I wanted because they don't really um, as far as hip hop, the people that run the the stuff having to do with hip hop, they kind of scared to like deal with certain kind of. Because they never really had somebody from St. Lucia that became successful as a rapper, right. you know what I'm saying, okay. or, or as a as as anything musician wise, right. you know what I'm saying. So they don't have a Rihanna like Barbados is. Barbados is 27 minutes in a, on a plane from St. Lucia, 27 minutes and change. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But they have a Rihanna that's able to say, "Yo, if y'all want Beyonce down here, or blah blah blah, or this person out here, this is what y'all have to do." Right, right. This is the channels you have to go. They don't have nobody. So I want to do that for St. Lucia, but not just that, but I want to help the kids that's trying to get into music or trying to, or or just infatuated by how things go on up here. I just want to teach them certain things that they probably could learn through me, that they could learn otherwise, but that they could learn through me that I had to go through that. You know, I, I had this song called "Perpetual Summers." Where, I, where what project was that? On? Um, no, it's not. It's, it's oh, coming up. Come it's, it's okay. not coming. Oh, this song called "Perpetual Summers," right? Where, um, where it's like I survived so many winters. Now I'm ready. Now I'm ready for perpetual summers, right? Because when I was 15 years old, right? When when I to, um when I went down there before '99, when I was 15 years old, my father brought me down to live. You know, well, I didn't know it was really to live. But my aunt sent me down there on vacation and right. said. You know, you go and chill with your father. I went down there. I was down there for like three months. And my father said, yo, you could come. You could go to school, whatever, whatever. whatever. But at that time, remember, this was after Jay Smooth had played my first record. So as soon as that happened, I had to leave because that I I couldn't really even really do radio and stuff like that because I I bounced out that same summer because he started playing that shit in June. And like when school was finished, I was out to St. Lucia. So, um... I was down there for like three months, and I and I and I um and went and I was like, my father's friend had a had a, a beer distribution company. Okay. And his sons, me and his sons were mad cool, so I go down there and help them move crates, and you know they give me money and shit. Like, yo, you could right. come, you could stay down here with like whatever. And I was, the distribution place was across, like not across the street, but like right where, like close to an airport, and the, and the runway part of the runway, I could see the runway from right. From where I was at So Around the time Where I had to decide If I was going to go to school there I said yo I have to make a decision Am I going to come back To New York And do music Because remember Like I said No internet So it's not like I could have flew in verses And if I wasn't Actively up there On them Saturdays To get You know I wasn't I just wasn't in it You know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. So I said yo You could either Stay down here Live on this beautiful ass island. You eat what you want, don't you? <laughs> like you know, or you could come up and endure many winters. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. seriously, this is me at 15. You could come up here and deal with winters, because remember, I already dealt with a few of them because from when I was eight up until then. Sure. Or you could come not and at this time I had on slippers. You know what I'm saying? Like I was, I had a, a fly ass bro down there. Like I was, I was, I was chilling, but I was like, you know what? There's no my mother's not down here, so right. I want to pursue something that I feel could give me a purpose. You know what I'm saying? And I said, I, 
I'm a, I'm a either go stay down here and do that or go back up to New York. So I, I made the decision. I want to continue doing my music and I'm gonna come back to New York. So that mm-hmm. same night, I went to my father. I said, I said, yo, listen, that I wanna, I wanna go back to New York and continue my music. Now remember, I told you I was only listening to Calypso and all that when I was in St. Louis. So he don't know nothing about no music business. <laughs> sure. Like the only thing you do when you a Calypso singer and you get big in the, on the island is you, you do carnivals. Right. Every year. Right. And that was it. There was no record sales and right. <laughs> nothing, none of that shit. So my father had no idea what I was saying. I was leaving to come back to New York to do what? You know what I'm saying? Like, to, And I'm like, I'm coming. I want to go back to pursue my music. And I said, when I before I even told him anything, I said, right sitting there in that distribution place, looking at the airport, I'm not coming back to St. Lucia to live until I accomplish what I feel like I want to, like, my my objective is right. You know what I'm saying. And up until now, I'm I'm even though it's the internet now, you could I could virtually live on my laptop and sit on the beach and and just what I'm doing right now is like, you know, just setting up all I said about the corporate stuff, like setting up all the revenue avenues for NE for myself mm-hmm. and making mm-hmm. so all those revenue avenues that any all the revenue avenues that the label would look at when they look at a, a, a artist right. is what we have a contract with ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, hands, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where it's like, we're going to apply all, we're going to pimp ourselves. Right? Now, we pimping ourselves. Now, now I could open my laptop and say, what's, how much sales do I have on iTunes this week? How much, duh, 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 how much, how much is my clothes selling? How, how much is the merch manager telling me that? Blah, blah, blah. So it's more of like a, um, being able to dictate certain things that, because I know what these, even though these separate jobs, I might want to do these separate jobs myself, but I know what a, a person that has a passion for those specific jobs, um, what they're supposed to be doing. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. It's like it's like to elaborate a little bit. Um, I, I was laughing like I saw a Kanye interview when he was talking about um, the lighting guy, the lighting for his like um, glow, mm-hmm. one, I think glow in the dark. So, and he was like, "Yo, I wanted the guy that did the Blue Man Group, the lighting right. from the Blue Man right, Group," right, and right. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like. And he's Gemini too, so I know when we get super excited about something, people look at us like we're crazy because they like, what do you mean the the guy that did the blue? Because because it'll be like out of nowhere, like you be chilling, like, yo, I want the lighting guy that did the Blue Man Group's lighting because when I went to Vegas, it was awesome. Right now, he said I called them, tried to get him, and he was like, yo, I I'm I'm tied up with them, I can't. So he got Live Nation or whoever to pay him extra to come do that. Wow. But it was so important and that's how I feel like every single aspect of the game. Publicist, lawyer, um radio promotion, oh everything that you could think of under the sun. I know how to make how to look at somebody or look at their work ethic or see what they've done and know if they would work right for us and what mm-hmm. and when I when I'm in St. Lucia and I, I shut my laptop down, I know that there's certain things that's going on. That I wouldn't even think about before. I would just right. think musically. You know what I'm saying? So that's more. Um, so I'm incorporating a lot of the same how I feel about Saint Lucia and and um and a lot of my new material. But not like I'm not gonna be doing calypso or something like of that. Of course, but, of course. But my content is gonna be not as like the way it was in the '90s, where it was like I'm to- when I was in a darker place. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm, You're I'm also a much younger person. Yeah. Too, you know? Yeah, and I'm much more in a spiritually free place where I don't even care what because I understand this. 
when I'm doing what the thing, the plight of a versatile, any artist is versatile is that when you're doing one thing, the people that that like that thing is gonna love it, mm-hmm. but the people that don't, it's gonna be like they're gonna hate it, right? But the people that when you go over to do that thing that the other people like, then they'll like it, and then the other people will say that they don't like it. Right. right so it's right, like right. you have to. So every song you release, every that's why I didn't release a full album. I'm about to start p- putting out projects, but I didn't want to release an album where I was putting out one, mm-hmm. one type of style. Right, right. I, I, I can't do that. I'm not a heard one heard one song and you heard them all type of artist. No, absolutely not. I mean, look if you just even look simply look back at the stuff we've been talking about too. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can see that. Right. So it's like that's a big. So it's you know. So in other, like I said, just culminate, just yeah. culminate in everything that I've done or and things that I didn't I, I didn't do yet. Right. I didn't put out musically. I feel like I'm about to put out the best music that I feel like I cool. have put out Dope. sonically and everything. Because a lot of the stuff Dope. wasn't even, a lot of stuff that people like from NE. Some of it wasn't even mixed. Like a lot of like. Oh yeah, they're really raw. Songs. Yeah, really raw. So it's like we wasn't thinking sonically. What I mean, a lot know. of your stuff was just simply recorded off terrestrial radio on people's like, uh, you know, cassette decks and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a very that's why the group exists in a really. Uh, you know, really unique place for a certain kind of people because right. the way they received the information, right. right? And 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 us us being able to monetize that because because it was so loose back then, right? We of course we own all those masters. Anybody right. that put out anything on us that didn't give us royalties and right. whatever, like, we own those masters. Like right. what we gonna would you unless you could pay what you owe? You know what I'm saying? Sure, like, sure. But then still we own the master. So like us like setting up all, like those vintage joints and getting them, you know digitally remastered and all yeah, that yeah. and like really like having them available is a very important thing to me so oh, I think that would be really yeah, wise so, I mean I think a lot of yeah. people love to hear it like that yeah so it's like so uh, the past material when I'm putting out new stuff I'm gonna be re-releasing my mixtapes digitally Dope. all of them you know what I mean and um and there's gonna be just new stuff but I'm gonna be dip, I'm working with big up to Scram Jones um, I'm working with him Jay Arms cool. and Charlemagne you know so we, you know, we just put that together, but we're not going to be doing the separate thing too much. It's going to be like, we're going to be putting stuff on top of each other. No, right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. And just consistency and just doing what we could only do. Right. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what's up. I mean, listen, it's definitely like an honor to be able to sit and, and talk to you. It's a, you're a guy that not hasn't done a lot of long conver- interviews or yeah. conversations. I know there's a lot of people that have been fans of your work for a really long time. So it's cool to actually get a, a real sense of the story. You've been through a lot of shit, mm-hmm. you know, and it goes be, well beyond the actual recorded music stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. it's really, I appreciate you taking the time to like open up about this stuff too because I think, you know, I think even people who listen to this will go back to the music and listen to it differently knowing the kind of, your narrative, your story and shit. Absolutely. So I appreciate that. Eddie, shouts to Eddie for letting us do it here in, yeah, in the Northeast right. Bronx. Yeah. You know? We got the Carnage. Carnage. Yes. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, much respect, man. Oh, that's what's up. Yeah. yeah. So thank you again, man. I appreciate right. it. Definitely yeah. appreciate your time, man. Yeah, good looking out. Right. Yeah, thank you. Yes, yes. Thank you guys so much for listening. Much respect and thanks to Swigger for making the time. Um, I went all the way up to the BX, to the Northeast Bronx, too. And um, and we did this at Eddie Brock's crib. Thanks to Eddie for Carnage as well, who shot the photos. And for you guys for, for listening and taking some time to hang out with me. 
and the crew here at the House List Podcast. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a SoundCloud account, I uh, would like to ask you, if you don't mind, just reposting it, If especially if you're like a hip-hop head. You know, spread the word, because um, this is probably one of his only long-form conversations. So maybe you might know some, some, some heads that uh, aren't up on podcasts, but they... They are like fans of, of Natural Elements or Swiggo or L Swift, etc. So maybe you know repost that or, or shoot it out to them so they know what's up. And um, yo, just be safe and be good to each other out there. You know, like the world is fucking crazy as hell, and um, I love that every once in a while, and hopefully, you know, ideally once a week, we can gather and do this show and, and share life experience. You know, obviously, a lot of these episodes were are with you know hip hop artists, if you will. But there's a broader narrative at play, and it's just a human experience. Um, it just happens to be I know a lot of rappers, I I know a lot of hip hop artists, and it's a part of my world. But at the end of the day, we're just human beings too. So it's it's great to kind of share our common experiences with with each other, music or not. So I think that uh, we can we get a lot out of these conversations. I mean. Um, trust me when I'm doing them in the moment, like it's a, it's a pretty visceral experience for me too. So I hope you guys enjoy. I have another brand new one coming up and the hundredth episode, I guarantee will be a really special one. And I got some other really dope ones all on deck. I'm trying to really spend a lot of time in the month of November recording stuff. So hopefully I'll be able to deliver more and more. All right, y'all. Thank you so much. I'm out of here. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.